So the metrics that are very relevant for me is obviously customer acquisition cost, the LTV, LTV to CAC ratio. And another one is that's not necessarily captured in metrics per se is how do we rank? This is exactly how our demand team meetings look like. Yeah. Uh, do we expand our product portfolio? Do we expand horizontally or do we drill down in a city? Let's call it density focused or do we focus on geographic expansion? And to be honest, there are arguments for both. So the valuations definitely has gone down. And also the criteria of, let's call it success or investability is much tougher. We are now in the phase of expanding our product categories. So rather than launching everywhere at once with a product, we decided to go the more slow, steady geographic expansion with product expansion in the second phase. Welcome to the Platform Pioneers, a show about the bright minds behind the world's largest digital platforms and the stories of how they built them. I am your host, Kuros, and together we'll uncover the secrets behind creating, scaling, and managing some of the most successful platforms out there. Welcome back to Platform Pioneers podcast. Today, our guest is Koparanjan um, Ishan, Head of Finance and Operations at Smiler, which is a super interesting marketplace. It's a photography marketplace that connects people, places, and photographers through an easy-to-use technology. And before his role at Smiler, Kopar worked at Head of Finance and Accounting at TicketSwap, platform and buying and selling tickets with over 10 million users. Uh, but maybe without further ado, Kopar, maybe you introduce yourself, a bit of um, what led you to go to Smiler, and then also obviously what is smarter about like like kind of like what pain points are you addressing of course happy to be here Cyrus. thanks for having me uh, yeah a little bit of background about me i'm based in amsterdam that's where the smiler is also headquartered in and i'm originally from turkey recent addition to dutch and i spent 10 years in the us and made it to netherlands eight years ago and have been here since and i think what's interesting which will become relevant uh, i think in a moment about my background is I actually started in financial research, moved on to corporate, and I've been at different startup scale-ups for the last almost six years. And this is my second marketplace after TicketSwap that you mentioned. And yeah, pretty much that's how it brought me here. And what's interesting about Smiler, I think, just like you mentioned, it's a photography marketplace. And I would say there are not many platforms, if any, that are as unique as like what we're trying to do. Yeah, and maybe guide us through the interesting thing about marketplace you always got supply and demand right so maybe guide yeah. us through a typical customer of uh, smiler uh, what or where does he or she uh, live or what kind of like entity is it and then we go a bit to the to the supply side like what are what are like typical suppliers and and what was wrong maybe in the market before and what yeah. kind of like smiler is addressing what pain point yeah of course um so like one thing to disclose First of all, uh, Smiler is a photography marketplace, but it is also similar to a gig-based economy marketplace. So basically what Uber Eats does or what Upwork does, Smiler does it for, let's say, photography enthusiasts. That's our supply side. And our consumer side could be anyone, really. Could be you and me just having a good, good time in Berlin to like a family visiting a zoo, so to say. So our customer profile, um, like without getting too specific, is usually couples or uh, it can be from any age range or families that are traveling or that are just like enjoying their day and they want it captured digitally mm -hmm. with a photograph anywhere in the world and mostly in touristic locations for now. 
Right, right, right. So what can they or do they book usually? Is it like different packages? Is it a, a photographer yeah. for a day? Like how does, because that's going to be super interesting also is like how, how did Smiler start? Did they add categories? Yeah. Did they add packages, bundles, you name it? Yeah, indeed. Uh, that's an interesting one. So in terms of our like starting story, actually two of our co-founders, our husband and wife, they were in New York and they were having a good time just in Times Square. And they're like, wow, we would love to capture this moment in like a really high quality picture, so to say. So when you think of Smiler or what do people book, any place that's memorable, that is worth remembering, that is an experience, so to say. For, let's say, a person, it could be a walk in their neighborhood. Another person, it's the first time they visit, yeah, like Egypt to the pyramids, so to say. So it really depends, but anytime that's memorable to someone, uh, such as an experience, is worth capturing a moment in Smiler. And in terms of like, let's call it the types of products, the bundling and stuff, uh, that also really depends. Because for example, if you're going to Oktoberfest, yeah, like you might want more kinds of pictures, so to say, even though it's a very thematic event. But if you're going to, let's call, by the way, I'm not like, let's say, too into photography myself. Mm -hmm. I love pictures, but I don't do many myself. I found out recently there's a growing trend in the world called flying dress photography. So, for example, if you're interested in that, you might go on top of a Santorini, like the most beautiful spot to capture that. So it really depends. But in terms of like how we work, independent contractor, let's say photographer enthusiasts, gotcha. takes pictures and it can be up to X amount. Sometimes you work with, let's say, X pictures or sometimes with pre-agreed amount of pictures. And the customer can choose to buy a bundle, uh, select shoots, or let's say even print products. So it really depends. C correct. I mean, and, and that is, that's already a broad, I would say, almost a category in, in marketplace terms. If you kind of like think back, maybe two areas that are interesting because we're always interested in how do how do marketplaces grow right and there's also something that that you've been involved in what is the key for growth at a marketplace such such as smiler is it more about number of of countries that you have uh, supply in is it more about having a very kind of like fine-tuned categories that you can book is it a lot about the demand side so a lot about marketing like what has been most challenging and what's been most critical i would say for the success yeah that that's really interesting you mentioned that because this is exactly how our demand team meetings look like yeah. uh do we expand our product portfolio do we expand horizontally or do we drill down in a city let's call it density focused or do we focus on geographic expansion and to be honest there are arguments for both but since still like We're rather small in terms of, let's call it like number of people and our reach, even though it is global, like obviously you cannot do everything at once. So we have taken the approach of focusing more on the density, such as the touristic centers, let's call it, you know, the Paris's of the world. Yes. And we are now in the phase of expanding our product categories. So rather than let's call it launching everywhere at once with a product, we decided to go the more like slow, steady geographic expansion with what's called product expansion in the second phase. Gotcha, gotcha. So it's more about depth than about being in, I would say, even the remotest location and, yeah. and covering uh, supply there. But specifically on this one, I mean, there's always a, a cost benefit. And, and I discussed it here in, in this format a lot. Expansion usually uh, costs money and you have to see, hey, what is about the total 
lifetime value that you would get from a, a customer. Yeah. How does an expansion for marketing budget look like? And as you are involved in finance, like what are the the key, um, let's say the KPIs that are most yeah. important to you when, when you look at the success and also when you look at about growing? Of course, that's also another like really interesting point to explore. And it will also touch on your previous question, like is the demand usually the problem or the supply? So for us, um, the travel industry, or let's call it like the experiences is huge. It's in billions and billions of dollars applicable in most places at the world. It does have its seasonality, but it's a very wide market. So demand is not a huge problem. Capturing part of that demand, which will be, let's call it uh, more of a supply problem is like what we struggle with the most. So in terms of when we go into a new place, what's usually the biggest struggle is how do we attract enough from the demand side interest at cost? So the metrics that are very relevant for me is obviously customer acquisition cost, the LTV, LTV to CAC ratio. And another one is that's not necessarily captured in metrics per se is how do we rank? So for example, you can advertise on your own platform to our business partners, in this case, OTAs. Mm -hmm. And if you pull it up, like are we in page one or page 10? So the relative ranking of the, let's call it the channels that we have. Yeah. So we track those very closely to get a sense of like how successfully or how quickly should we expand or can we expand in a single location. Interesting. And and if you kind of like look at, at these numbers and, and the expansion, which... Which market, let's put it this way, surprised you? Like, uh, obviously, yeah. uh, you guys started in, let's say, probably uh, the main spots in Europe, where you're from Amsterdam. Like, um, which markets were surprising, which were harder than expected, which were actually uh, not that hard? Like, like uh, it's always curious to see about that, yeah. that regionality. Yeah, indeed. You're, like, absolutely right. Some places were completely surprising. So one that comes to my mind immediately is New York City. Mm. Because if you talk to, let's say, 10 people around the world, like five, six, maybe seven of them heard about, visited or want to visit New York City at one point. And it was extremely tough to crack. And I have a couple theories on that. Uh, it's very saturated. Also, like we don't have a ton of US presence yet. And yeah, like it's a bunch of other factors. Also the travel profile, it might get let's say like the spending of a potential customer and difference in customer uh, performance, like, you know, different profiles and such uh, differ quite a bit. And we didn't go in with a, let's say, super customized regional approach. We tried to, let's call it copy our playbook mm -hmm. and it didn't quite roll over. So New York launch, then we called it deep launch and such. It still has not gone too well up to our expectations. Uh, maybe, We can talk about a positive surprise as well. Yeah. So Santorini that I mentioned before was a very pleasant surprise because even though like initially we are focusing more on the Paris and Barcelona, you know, the European touristic capitals, Santorini is very seasonal, but it turns out like, let's call it our, in terms of interest of our potential customers, there was so much interest. It made it very financially feasible and interesting from us for, from very early on. So that was a pleasant surprise for us because like if you put it on a map, run it by any statistics, it wouldn't even make it to the map, right? You would never think about it. I mean, I've heard about it. I, I still don't have a clear picture in my mind of how it would look like or anything of significance, but yes. Is it because there's, there's just no one else covering this? What are your usual, let's say, not competing website, but like competition? Like how did people book something like this prior to it? 
didn't they do it at all? Yeah. Did they Google before, okay, which kind of like pho photographers yeah. are there and, and booked it? Like how did it work before and what's kind of like an influence factor for how successful it can be? Yeah, that's, um, so it is like, it really depends, but a couple of things that's interesting is I'm not super active on social media myself, but there are so many people that are, let's say dying to get, or they're so interested to get that one perfect picture to post in their Instagram or to share with their friends and family or to have that experience they've seen from a previous Instagram post. So a lot of our, let's call it business or interest is generated through already these kind of experiences people have heard or have seen before through social media or other platforms, word of mouth, you name it. Yeah. And Google, like, or let's call it other channels are, of course, venues for us to attract uh, attention and get customers. But most of the let's call it interest we attracted or the business we get is already from existing interest. So for example, like we don't create completely new photography categories out of nowhere. We tap into an already existing experience market through, let's say, creative ways. Gotcha. Gotcha. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. It's, it's a, you mentioned the playbook. There's probably like, I would say almost a, a cornerstone of how you grow and kind of like, like get, get good numbers maybe as you're the head of finance and i've seen you started i would say right off the verge of when the boom times of 2021 kind of like like flip what have you seen from a finance perspective obviously also towards investors what has changed in how people value evaluate a marketplace a marketplace business and also like what has changed in, in what success mean for example Yeah, yeah, that's it's changed drastically as like all, all of us feel it at startups, investors feel it, everybody really feels it, consumer feel it because of the credit crunch and less available to spend. I would say from a business evaluation or financial analysis, or let's say the investor perspective, the money is not as cheap. And that means they have to put in tougher criteria. So for example, you cannot just put in road to profitability in five, six years and expect the same multiples. So the valuations definitely has gone down. And also, like I said, the criteria of let's call it success or investability is much tougher. And that is a statement all across the industry. But I think for marketplace, they're even more critical on, let's call it metrics such as LTV over CAC, like how How efficient are you, let's call it, acquiring your demand, acquiring your supply? Like how long will it last or can you get it going? Can you really grow? So they're very interested in that. And I would say it's actually been like, let's call it this financial crunch actually created a lot of space and opportunity for many marketplaces. So, for example, there are a lot of, let's call it, startups popping and working capital management of marketplaces. Like that's like right. the uh, new thing happening. And Basically, these specialized companies are creating an opportunity for these marketplaces in terms of their compliance in their um, cash management, working capital management. And that's also been very interesting to observe. I mean, I, absolutely. Uh, I see that also kind of like focusing the payment solution on a marketplace, on platforms, see exactly, exactly the, the same trend. You mentioned LTV, kind of like the, the cost of acquiring a, a customer. What has changed in kind of like the methods? Is it like, are people mm, or marketplace officials 
more maybe thoughtful in how they spend Google ads, how they spend kind of like marketing expenses. Have other alternatives come up? Like, like what, what have you seen kind of like from the cockpit as a, as a head of finance, so to speak? Yeah, that, that's like, yeah, you're definitely uh, like uh, speaking, preaching to the choir because we talk a lot about, let's call it the return on ad spend or channel efficiency. And basically like, let's call it the large platforms. You're kind of addicted to them. Let's call it the Googles mm -hmm. and the Facebooks and the Instagrams. But they also got quite expensive because they're very saturated. You're competing for those already few spots, especially in prime time, such as let's call it like the Christmas, this and that with sometimes other OTAs who are, let's call it like who have the bigger marketing spend. So that's, let's say uh, the main mainstream channels got more expensive and even more competitive. But what's been interesting is they're actually cost efficient platforms that we're discovering, such as let's call it Instagram scrapes or the TikTok, so to say. And you might argue they're also very mm -hmm. saturated, but turns out for some specific products or let's call it in certain markets, they can be quite efficient. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and that's something I, I've never heard it so, so specifically, but like, I would say that in this format, I've heard marketplace uh, executives kind of like speaking about a, a change on how they usually approach marketing or the, the demand side. I mean, before it was a bit of a, always a financing program for Google. You got funding and you know exactly, okay, I'm going to spend half of that funding for just for ad spend, for marketing, uh, you name it. So I, I really love um, how you kind of like speak about cost-efficient alternatives that might be a bit more harder to reach or like more customized. But, but might have a, a, a similar return if they actually uh, use them. Yeah. So the very like interesting and also the challenging part of, let's call it like acquiring customers or supply ac acquisition is also quite a challenge at cost mm -hmm. and at scale. Because for example, we have a lot of experiments for our current size that were big successes, but that didn't necessarily scale. So I think you continuously need to experiment to understand what you need for the current path or like the short-term goals. Because I think maybe after a certain size, this was a true statement. You can just keep doing things the way you did for a while. You can keep doing them for a while, but it certainly is not the case anymore because the, let's call it, the advertising space is changing too fast. And especially if you're in a space like we are, experiences, the trends influence it, right? The taste change. And that does have an implication. Like, let's call it the new TikToks, the new, um, let's call it discords and the new type of platforms or experiences. You have to stay on top of it if you want to be efficient and at scale. But that's been interesting for me because let's say 10 years ago, you had your couple giants and that exactly. was the way to go. But it's not, it's much more dynamic now. Yeah. And, and maybe if you looked at two or three years from now, I think that was like an immediate because it was discretionary spending of a, yeah. of a marketplace. When you think about efficiency, operational efficiency, what comes to, to your mind when you, when you look for like how, what would change about a typical marketplace? Will you still have big operations teams? Will you still have big customer support teams? Like where do you see that, that heading? This is also such an interesting topic because as I mentioned like a couple of questions ago, there are a lot of pain problems. So for example, customer support, that's really high quality and that's at like really good cost. It's still a problem. Like there are obviously a lot of chatbots, like let's say AI development in the space that's taking off or cheap outsourcing alternatives, but it's still not, let's call it the 
silver bullet to solve the problem. So I definitely see like in next few years, specialized solutions that's also effective at cost and at scale. So one of them being, like I mentioned, working capital management, this, uh, let's call it the cash needs of an organization or of the operational spend. Another one is customer support that you mentioned. I think there are going to be clear winners in the next couple of years where it will be market standards. Basically what HubSpot did, you know, back, like back in the day for the CRM industry. And that's, that's pretty much how the trends, like all the trends that I'm seeing, wherever there's a pain point, there are people, companies already passionately working on solving it. And I think we're going to see some clear market leaders that's solving those problems. Gotcha. And, and specifically, I think what you mean is like, like an alternative source of capital, which is working capital is kind of like short term, it's kind of like short term efficiency yeah. of, of, of capital. Then I'd say probably overall efficiency, less people in operations, more automation yeah. of all processes. What will it mean? And, and you mentioned before, investors are looking in a, a bit more, I would say, critical, mm -hmm. so to speak, at this. Would that mean that overall for operations, let's say, uh, for financing operations, you will have a, marketplaces will look at different sources of financing, more debt, more alternative financing, more kind of like revenue-based financing. Is there any of these kind of like trends emerging? Um, so like just to reiterate, basically financing of the company, of the marketplace, right? Like what yeah. are the alternatives happening? Yeah, so it's not, I don't see it drastically changing in the near term mm -hmm. because like the alternatives that are available, let's say crowdsourcing and stuff like that's, you know, in terms of time spent and the PR effort needed and the ticket sizes, it's just most of the time not worth it. In terms of like revenue-based financing or venture debt, um, it might get pretty expensive. So most of the time, depending on your stage, right? Nice, sizable, like uh, revolver credit facility or venture capital is still the better ways to go for a startup and scale up. But in terms of like drastic changing coming up, I see more efficiencies, let's call it like efficient capital, you know, being deployed uh, to the right companies. But in terms of drastic changes, I don't see any in terms of, let's call it the capital structure of how the company is funded. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, I think, like I said, I, I also see more that evolution rather than a, a, a revolution, so, yeah. so to speak, on how it's going, but definitely the trend to, hey, I need to automate. I can't have uh, five people doing a lot of manual work. Yeah. On, on invoices, on pushing, on reconciliation, on these kind of kind of things. And, and then obviously kind of like, hey, can I find stock? Maybe because we are, we are almost um, at the end. If you think you're in an extremely interesting space and an interesting business model, like what is the most fulfilling part about your job? And maybe what, what is something about your job that you would, would like to change because it's bugging you? <laughs> Good one. Um, yeah. yeah, I would say the most fulfilling part for my job like at Smiler is the pace of change and the openness to change. Because like by traditional standards, we already pivoted multiple times. Uh, not a complete pivot, not a hard pivot, but yeah, like big change in direction. And for me, as let's call it stressful as it can be, because it comes with all different complexities and a ton more work, it is quite exciting because it forces you, if you really want to be on top of it, it forces you to grow, to learn and to yeah, do a whole new set of things to explore. And in my specific situations, convert them to financials. And for me, that's a very satisfactory process, which happens quite a bit at Smiler. 
Right, nice. And maybe then last, last question. What's going to be the most interesting thing that you're going to be working on next year? What are you kind of like now we're almost at the end of the year looking forward to be to be working on? Yeah, that's uh, there are plenty of stuff, but I think we are currently experimenting with a new sort of new business model. And that's, let's call it supply-driven demand. That's a fancy term we came up with. <laughs> For me, that will be very interesting to keep working on modeling it out and to see how it, it could make sense. Because right now it's at the hypothesis stage. We're about to roll it out early next year, but it'll be very interesting to see how it actually plays out and how it needs to be operationally and financially executed going forward. Okay, I think... First of all, Kovan, thank you so much uh, um, for joining us today. It was super interesting to see a kind of like the insights in such a specific marketplace, but also from a finance perspective, kind of like how the landscape has shaped and what the new rules of marketplaces basically are. So thank you so much for joining us. Really great insight.